Hey, thank you guys so much for being here today. Hey, I hope that you, that you, like, that, that you believe that truth that we just sang, that, um, that whatever you're walking through in life, like we don't just come in here as people who have it all together, who, who just live these, these easy lives. Whatever you're walking through, whatever fire it is that you're walking through, whatever the deep waters that you're walking through, that there is one who wants to walk with you wants to be with you and wants to be for you as you walk through that. So thank you guys so much for being here. My name is Josh. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, And this is the time of the service where we have the opportunity, uh, if the kids want to be dismissed, uh, kids ages three up through fifth grade can go out uh, the back of of the sanctuary back there for some time of outdoor fun during our sermon. They'll come back in when the band starts playing. Uh, Jonathan's back there. He's got a square one shirt on, so you guys can go with Jonathan. Parents, we just ask that you just make sure that your kids are checked in at the back table just for for safety purposes uh, if they're going to be going outside. So kids can be dismissed. And then before we actually get into our sermon today, I'm really excited about the fact that we get to officially welcome some folks into the CCC family today. And so let me invite the Morrison family uh, to come up on stage. Many of you guys know the Morrisons. they, they've been coming around CCC for a while. They have gone through the membership process, and today they are here to officially join the Christ Community Church family. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, church membership, if you're not familiar with church membership, it's simply a way that, that we publicly commit to one another. And so the Morrisons today are publicly committing to Christ Community Church, but we as a church are also publicly committing to them. We're committing to love them, we're committing to serve them, we're committing to walk with them as we all together seek to follow Jesus. And so what we're going to do is, is I'm going to ask them a few questions. First, actually, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, though. So guys, um, just tell us your names. You can tell us where you live. You don't have to give us your exact address, but like, <laughs> tell us generally where you live, um, anything you want. We said maybe fl- favorite flavor of ice cream, or if you have any pets, or I don't know, whatever you want to tell us about yourself, but at least your names. Hi, my... Is it on? Hello? Oh, I think it just died. Of course. Always. Take a look real quick. There we go. Hello? Hey. All right. I am Kristen Morrison. Um, we live in Brockton, New York. And my favorite ice cream is Heavenly Hash, but Perry's brand. That's so holy. I know, I, man, that's, I that's a good answer I for know, church. Right? <laughs> I know, right? I've been thinking about it. Um, and our only pet would be my son, Luke, who thinks he's a dog or a dinosaur most of the time. Are you a dinosaur? Do you want to talk? No? Hi, I'm Jeremy. I look. All right. This is Luke. <laughs> and this is Emma. <laughs> you guys, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. All right. Hey, I'm going to ask you guys, you know, as we said, this is a way that we publicly commit. And so uh, I think of kind of like a marriage ceremony, um, you publicly commit to one another. And that's kind of the same thing, that this is kind of like a covenant relationship that, that we're entering into. Here. And so I'm going to ask these guys a series of six questions. Um, and if you guys agree, say I do. If you don't agree, just get off the stage, please. Um, But I'm going to ask you a series of six questions, okay? First, do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope except for his sovereign mercy? If so, say, I do. I do. 
Second, do you acknowledge yourself to be a child of God, fully known and fully loved by our Father in heaven? If so, say, I do. Third, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? If so, say, I do. Fourth, do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ? If so, say, I do. Fifth, do you promise to support the church in its worship and its work to the best of your ability? If so, say, I do. do. And sixth, do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to pursue its purity and peace? If so, say, I do. do. All right, church, and as, as I said, this is not only them committing to the church, but it's us committing to them committing to walk with them and to pray for them as we walk this journey together. And so I want to take a moment to pray for the Morrisons. Um, this might freak some of you guys out, but like in the, in the New Testament, in the scriptures, one of the things they would do as they would pray for people um, and they would commission people to live out the gospel in their neighborhoods, they would lay hands on them. So we're not going to have everybody come up here and do that. But I would love, if this doesn't freak you out too much, for you to just symbolically raise a hand as if we're praying over the Morrisons here, and let's pray for them as they go into the world. Father in heaven, I thank you for the Morrison family. I thank you for their love for one another. I thank you for their love for Jesus. I thank you for their love for Christ Community Church. I thank you for the way that you have sovereignly brought them together as a family, and you have sovereignly brought them into this faith family. And so I pray for them as as they go out into the world, as we walk with them as fellow members of this community of faith, pray that you would continue to grow them in their faith, grow them in likeness to Jesus. We pray that, that their home would be a home that is filled with the truth of the gospel as they become more and more like Christ. We pray that as, as they go out to, into, into their neighborhood in Brockton and into their, their spheres of influence, we pray that, that you would send them out with the message and the mercy of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to be conduits of your mercy and your grace in our community. We thank you so much for them. Help us to love them well, to serve them well, to point them to Jesus, even as they do so for us. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's welcome them. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you can have a seat. Thank you, guys. Excited to have you guys here. Hey, um, we are beginning a series today uh, through the book of Psalms. And so uh, the new series that we're going to be covering is called The Voice of the Soul. Now, I realize that might sound like kind of a a weird, maybe touchy-feely title to you uh, a little bit. But let me explain what I mean by that. One of my great heroes was a guy named Athanasius. Athanasius was bishop of Alexandria, Egypt in the fourth century. He was a fearless defender of the truth of the gospel. And Athanasius said this about the Psalms. He said, most of the scripture speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. I love that. Most of the scripture speaks to us. The Psalms speak for us. And so what we're going to be doing over the next eight weeks is we're going to be looking at the book of Psalms. Obviously not all of them. There's 150 of them. But but we're going to be looking at some Psalms that I believe speak for us as we seek to approach God. As we seek to live out life before the face of God in the midst even of sometimes the messiness and the confusion of life in the real world. If you ever find prayer difficult... 
If you ever feel really conflicted, if you feel like you're just crumbling inside and you're not sure what to do with all of these emotions and these struggles that feel like they're screaming inside of you, the good news is that the Psalms give us words to pray. Give us words to kind of make sense of that. Give us words. They teach us how to approach God in the midst of whatever we are walking through in life. And good news, since I was out last week, you get two Psalms for the price of one today. You get Psalm 42 and 43. Rest assured, that doesn't mean you're going to get two sermons for the price of one. But I, but I do think it's helpful to look at these two Psalms together, Psalms 42 and 43, because they really form one main unit of thought. Now, here's the thing. I, I've said this before. I've, I've preached a lot of difficult passages of Scripture over the last 15 years. I've preached passages that are difficult to understand, passages that are controversial, passages, frankly, that are just unpopular. And this passage isn't really all that difficult to understand. It's not really that controversial. And yet there's something about it that kind of freaks me out. Because today we're talking about the F word. I don't know if you know what that The F word is feelings. And, and that freaks some of us out. Like my wife will be the first to tell you that I need some kind of remedial training in the area of my emotions. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think for many of us, we don't really know what to do with our feelings. We don't really know what to do with our emotions, especially those emotions that we consider the quote unquote negative emotions. Sadness, hurt, anger, confusion. See, as modern 21st century Americans, we have been conditioned to expect that we will always feel happy. Whether you're religious or irreligious, that's the assumption. And if we're sad or if we're hurt or we're confused, then we need to do something really quick to fix that and to get over it and to move on so we can feel happy. And and you can get there by the religious route with the, the fog machines and the lasers and the motivational speeches, or you can get there the secular route, the, the right meds and the right significant up, the right travel itinerary. And listen, I am not saying that any of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But the problem is that sometimes what happens is that we use those things to try to drown out the deep pain and the sadness that we feel, and just to kind of place it with this thin veneer of happiness. And we've never really dealt with what's going on deep inside of us. But the truth, friends, is that you can't ignore your emotions forever. They they will eventually come out. You can run from them, but they will eventually catch up with you. As many of you guys know, I drive a high-performance 2005 Pontiac Vibe. And uh, a couple weeks ago, it it was starting kind of slowly. And I remember this has actually happened to me before. Um, I remember a few years ago, it was a Sunday morning. I'm already running late for church, trying to get out the door. And I go out to start my car, and it is dead. Like stone cold, utterly dead. And I spent my you know, Sunday evening replacing the battery, which was like a big, that was a big accomplishment for me because I can't like put anything together. So I I put it together. I managed not to blow myself up in the process. It started back. But, But here's the thing. My car had been starting kind of slow for about a week prior to that. And, and I really wasn't sure what was going on. And I, I didn't really know what to do with it. So I just did what any sensible person would do. I ignored it. I, I pretended the problem wasn't there until it eventually caught up with me. Friends, that's what emotions are like. You can ignore them. You can deny them. You can pretend they're not there, but they will eventually catch up with you. Because emotions are part of who you are. Emotions are part of how God made us. God 
you an emotional being. God is an emotional God. I mean, read the Bible, read the prophets. God feels intense emotions, sadness, sorrow, anger, joy, gladness. The Bible says that God created human beings in his own image. And part of being created in the image of God is having emotions. God gives us these emotions to teach us to know him and worship him and love him and reflect who he really is. So just to deny them, to pretend they're not there, means to deny something of what it means to be created in the image of God. The problem for us is not only that we've been created in the image of God, but that we are sinners who've rebelled against God. We've turned away from him, and that sin has infected every part of our humanity, including our emotions. And so the question becomes, how can we experience emotions in a healthy, God-honoring, fully human way? So I think if we were honest, all of us in this room probably tend to fall into one of two ditches when it comes to our emotions. For some of us, we're ruled by our emotions. Like we're up and down, round and round on this roller coaster, and we take everybody else on that ride with us. On the other hand, some of us just ignore our emotions. We try to stuff them. We try to deny them. And in the process, we cut ourselves off from fully engaging with God and fully engaging with other people. But the Bible, and specifically the book of Psalms, and what we're going to see over the next eight weeks, is that the Bible shows us a better way. The Psalms show us that God created our emotions for a specific purpose, even those dark emotions that sometimes we don't know what to do with. And today, in in Psalms 42 and 43, we're going to be looking at how we deal with hurt, how we deal with emotional, relational, spiritual pain. And it's really important for us to learn how to process this because hurt or pain lies at the root of so many other emotions. We've all experienced it. We have all been hurt in our lives. It's part of living life in a fallen world. Some of us in big, obvious ways. Some of us in smaller, less overt, maybe more hidden ways. We have all experienced it. And so if we want to live a healthy, flourishing life, the question is not, how do we avoid getting hurt? The question is, how do we respond to our hurt? So let me ask you just to be honest about that. Think about, because we've all experienced it. Think about pain or the hurt that you've experienced in your life. And then just ask yourself, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? And maybe it's a number of different ways. For some of us, our hurt drives us to anger. Now, that can be that explosive anger where you just lash out at other people, or it can be that slow, simmering kind where you kind of just quietly resent other people. For some of us, our hurt drives us to escapism. We try to numb our pain. Maybe you use alcohol. Maybe you use social media. Maybe you use Netflix. Maybe you use your work. All these different ways to try to escape and to numb our pain. For some of us, our hurt drives us to anxiety. We're constantly worried, living in fear, and we have this insatiable need to be in control. For some of us, our hurt drives us to detachment. We think, you know what? I've been hurt, and I'm not letting anyone get close to me again. For some of us, and you see this a lot in this psalm here, our hurt drives us to deep sadness, deep depression. And that's part of the human experience. See, the hurt that we have experienced drives us in ways that many of us don't even acknowledge. And it doesn't just have ramifications for your relationship with other people. It can actually have ramifications for your relationship with God. 
And that's what you see in this passage today. In Psalm 42 and 43, you see the psalmist has been deeply hurt. He's being oppressed by other people, and he shows us how to bring those emotions to God. So let's read this today. Psalms 42 and 43. Here's what the word of God says. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From, from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now, those are intense words. Like the guy who wrote that is dealing with intense sadness, pain. He's being hurt. He's being oppressed. And he cries out for God to vindicate him. But it seems like God's silent. And he asks, God, have you rejected me? God, have you abandoned me? Yet what's so important for us to notice is that even in the midst of those questions and those struggles and those doubts, his hurt doesn't lead him to run away from God. His hurt leads him to run to God. In this passage, you're actually going to see three things that, that the scripture teaches us to do with our hurt. Three things we see from this psalm today. They teach us to listen to our hurt, to talk to our hurt, and to bring your hurt to God. Listen to your hurt, talk to your hurt, and bring your hurt to God. First, listen to your hurt. Some of you remember the 80s, and so you're tempted to burst into song right now. Um, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, and you're better off for it. But this is what this psalm teaches us. It teaches us in the midst of, of the pain that we experience to come to God for healing in the midst of our pain. And, and if we're going to experience that, the first thing we need to do is to listen to our hurt. We need to be honest about it. 
We need to acknowledge it. We need to name it. Three times the psalmist asks himself the question here. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Now, that is not just a rhetorical question. I used to take it that way. I used to assume that that this verse just kind of minimized the emotions. Why are you cast down was just another way of saying, what the heck is the matter with you? What? Stop complaining. Stop whining. Suck it up. Get tougher. Move on. And my assumption for most of my life was that being cast down was a form of sin. The problem with that interpretation is that it ignores the rest of the psalm. And it ignores the rest of the Bible. He says, I'm cast down. I'm crumbling. I'm falling apart. I've got nothing left. And if you read the Bible, you find that that doesn't just happen to immature spiritual babies. That happens to spiritual giants. Moses, David, Elijah, the Apostle Paul, even Jesus himself, they all experience this deep, soul-crushing darkness. And if these men of God experienced it, if God in the flesh experienced it, then you and I can expect that we will experience it as well. We all experience something like this at some point in our lives. Whether you're religious or irreligious, whether you're rich or poor, Whatever your background, you will come to a place in your life where you feel like you can't take it anymore. And for much of my life, I assumed that the way to deal with that was to suck it up and to get tougher and to work harder and to pull myself back up and to deny my pain and to move on to the next thing. That's not the approach the psalmist takes. It's not the approach the Bible takes. The psalmist doesn't deny his hurt. He actually spends most of the talking about his hurt. Like, look how he describes his pain. Look at verse one. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before the face of God? Now, for some of us, when we read this verse, here's what we think. We think of Bambi, and Bambi's by this lush green stream and sipping water, babbling brook. That's not the picture that's being painted here. Remember, the Bible was written in the Middle East. It was written in a hot, dry, arid climate. And so the psalmist is saying, I'm exhausted. I am spiritually dehydrated. I am like a dying animal out in the wilderness looking for something to drink because I'm about to die. And look what he's thirsting for. He's not thirsting for his circumstances to change. He's not thirsting for some sense of inner peace. He says, I'm thirsting for God. I'm desperate for God. When can I go and appear before the face of God? So the the, the truth is, friend, whether you recognize it or not, that is your deepest need. That is my deepest need. And the thing is, the psalmist knows this. Like he feels his need for God. But his problem is that he feels like God is silent. Like God is absent. Like God is nowhere to be found. And that sends him into this deep despair. Look at verse three. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? I can't eat. I can't sleep. My tears have been my food. And there's no escape. 
Verse nine, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He says, God, I desperately want you, but you're MIA. You're nowhere to be found. He says, I feel like I'm dying inside. There's like a deadly wound in my bones. Why have you forgotten me, God? Why have you abandoned me, God? Like, do you hear how raw and honest he is? Let me ask you, do you you feel the freedom to approach God and say things like that? To be completely honest from the depths of your soul? He's pouring out his heart to God. He's naming his hurt in very specific terms. Listen, friends, we've got to learn to name our hurt. We've got to learn to own it. Because here's the thing. If you don't own your hurt, your hurt will eventually own you. It will come out. It will rule you. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Ask yourself the question and don't be afraid of the answers. Maybe you need to to start keeping a journal. Maybe you'd benefit from meeting with a counselor. Maybe just talk to a trusted friend, but learn to listen to your hurt. But don't stop there. If you stop there, you're only gonna end in hopelessness. You'll only get caught in this cycle of wallowing in your pain. We gotta learn to listen to our hurt and we've gotta learn to talk to our hurt. Talk to your hurt. Verse five, why are you down? Oh, my soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, for some of us, we need to learn to listen to our hearts. But for some of us, we need to learn to talk to our hearts. We got to learn to talk to ourselves. For some of us, that's our biggest problem. And one of the reasons we don't know how to talk to ourselves is because we don't have anything to say. That's why we need the scriptures. Because in the scriptures, God reminds us that he is with us and he is for us, even when everything in our lives is telling us something different. This is why we memorize the scriptures together with our key verse. This is why we get the scriptures into our minds and soak in them. I cannot tell you how many times in my own life I didn't know if I could live another day. But then I quoted Romans 8, or I quoted Psalm 16, and God used it to remind me that he is with me and that he is for me. Friends, when you go through the hard times, knowing God's word is not a matter of feeling smart. When you go through the hard times, knowing God's word is a matter of life and death. And listen, this is important. The point of talking to your hurt is not to get all the right answers. Some of us treat the Bible that way. Like, if I just know enough, if I have enough truth in my head, then I'll have an answer for the pain that I'm experiencing, and I'll be able to understand why I'm going through it. But notice what you got in the Psalms here. Ten times he asks himself the question, why? Why are you cast down on my soul? Verse 5, why are you in turmoil? Verse 9, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Verse 11, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? 43.2, why have you rejected me, God? Why do I go about mourning? 43.5, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? Ten times he asks himself the question, why? And he never gets an answer never sees a silver lining 
or a greater good or anything like that. But look what he sees. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Never gets an answer for his pain, but he gets something better. He gets God in the midst of his pain. He says, in the midst of my hurt, I know that God is with me. He's with me in the day when everything seems to be going great, but he's also with me in the middle of the dark of night. Even when his breakers and his waves come crashing over me, even when I feel like I'm drowning, I know that he is with me. Friends, there are some questions that we will never have answered in this life. Why did God let my dad walk out on me? Why did God let that neighbor abuse me? Why did God let my spouse abandon me? Why do I experience so much pain in my relationships in my family or in my inner person, maybe even my relationships in a church? Questions keep us up at night. And for many of us, we never get a good answer. God doesn't always tell us the reason behind our pain, but he promises to be with us in the midst of our pain. Some of us think, if I could just know the reason, If I could just see some silver lining, I'd be okay. But listen, healing doesn't come from knowing the reason behind our pain. Healing comes from experiencing God in the midst of our pain. And so that's why we don't just listen to our hurt and we don't just talk to our hurt, but we bring our hurt to God. Bring your hurt to God. Verse six, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. See, see, the goal of listening to your heart isn't just to get in touch with your feelings. The goal isn't to discover your inner child. The goal is to let your emotions drive you to God. Our emotions show us how much we need God. The purpose of the emotions, even the painful ones, is to teach us to depend on God. So let your despair drive you to dependence. Let your hurt drive you to the healer. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Pain wakes us up to the reality of God. Not to the concept of God, not to the idea of God, to the reality of God. The purpose of pain is to to wake us up to the living God. Our tears drive us to the God who hears. Like notice that this whole psalm is addressed as a prayer. Like he's not just lying on the couch talking about his problems. He's not just ranting on social media. He is crying out to the living God. He doesn't just say, I'm hurt. I feel distant from God. He says, God, I'm hurt. God, I feel distant from you. There's a deadly Wound in my bones, God, help me. I don't even know where you are in the midst of my pain, God. Help me. You know, that's what prayer looks like sometimes. His hurt, his desperation, his emptiness, his depression, his spiritual dehydration compels him to cry out to God. The mark of whether your emotions are healthy, the mark of whether your your heart is healthy is not that you feel happy all the time. Like, do you realize sometimes it's just stupid to feel happy? Sometimes you're in the desert 
And the right response is not to pretend that you're not in the desert. The right response is to cry out for the living water in the midst of the desert. Friend, do not wait until you feel close to God to pray. In fact, it's the times when you feel farthest from God. It's the fact when you even question whether God is even there. Those are the times to pray. Cry out to him, God, I'm hurting. God, I feel distant from you. God, I feel like you've abandoned me. Help me. Remind me that you are with me and that you are for me. The mark of emotional health is not whether we feel happy or sad, but whether our emotions are doing what God designed them to do. Are your emotions driving you away from God or toward God? Our pain leads us to depend on God. Our hurt drives us to the healer because what we need more than anything else is to encounter God. And we don't just need this at one point in our lives. If you've ever been deeply wounded, you know that sometimes the pain keeps coming back, doesn't it? Sometimes for years, sometimes for decades, sometimes for your entire life. And even though you might get some measure of healing, you still bear the scars. Because the healing we need is not just a one-time thing. Do you notice that? The psalmist repeats himself three times here. Three times he tells himself, hope in God, hope in God, hope in God, for I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. This whole psalm is a dance of despair and dependence. He's in despair. His cries cast down. He feels like he's coming apart. And then he tells himself to trust in God. And then he's in despair again, and he reminds himself to trust in God. And then he's in despair again, and he reminds himself to trust in God. And more often than not, that's the pattern of our lives. Usually you don't just get over it and move on. There are some wounds that get less painful over time, but there are some wounds, friends, that time doesn't heal. There are some wounds that you carry with you your entire life. But in the midst of the pain and the suffering, and maybe even the trauma that keep coming back, we learn to depend on God. Our pain drives us to God. Our hurt drives us to the healer. And here's why you can trust God in the midst of your pain. Because this isn't just a God who's somewhere out there in the ether. This isn't the God that Bette Midler sang about where he's watching us from a distance. This isn't a God who's removed from our pain and our suffering and our wounds. This is a God who has experienced pain and suffering and wounds. This is the crucified God. Some of you have heard me quote this poem from Edward Shalito before. Edward Shalito was a, a minister in England during World War I, and, and he writes this poem as he's trying to grapple with all the pain and the suffering and the horror that he saw from World War I. It's a poem called Jesus of the Scars, and it ends like this. It says, The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God has wounds, but thou alone. The only God who can bring you healing, the God who calls to you in your pain is the God with the scars, the God with the wounds, the God who was wounded for our healing. Isaiah 53, he was pierced, why? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. See, we all deserve the pain and the terror of being cut off from God because of our sin. 
But Jesus bore our sin, died in our place, took the punishment and the wounds and the pain that we deserved. And as he hung on that cross between God and man, it's fascinating what he cried out. He cried out, I thirst. I thirst, just like Psalm 42, 1. And just like the psalmist, he wasn't simply thirsting for water. He was thirsting for his father. And as the father, for the first time and the only time in all of history and all of eternity, turned his face away from his son, the son cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Like the psalmist, why have you abandoned me? Why have you rejected me? Like so many of us sometimes feel. See, Jesus thirsted so that you and I could be filled with the living water. Jesus was forsaken so that the Father would never forsake us. The Father turned his face away from Jesus temporarily so that he would never turn his face away from us. The God who calls to us in our hurt is the crucified God. But he's also the risen God. And he is the living God because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and one day he is coming again. And when he does, he will set all things right and he will make all things new. And I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. I don't know if he's going to give us all the answers then. I don't know if he's going to tell us why we had to experience the pain and the hurt that we've gone through. But here's what I know. I know that he promises that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And he promises that we will drink and we will be satisfied. Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. So are you thirsty? Are you spiritually dehydrated? Then come and drink of the only water that can satisfy your soul. Are you hurting? Are you wounded? Are you broken? Come to him and receive the healing that only the crucified God can give. Bring your hurts, bring your struggles, even bring your doubts, bring your questions, bring your baggage, bring your wounds to the one who was wounded for you and who rose again for your healing. So as we walk through this series, we're going to learn to listen to our hurt. We're going to learn to talk to our hurt. But more than anything, we're going to learn to bring our hurt to God, to the God with the wounds, the God with the scars, the God who died and rose again to give us the living water. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we are amazed at your grace and your love and your kindness and your compassion toward us. Because it would have been so easy. In fact, sometimes I feel like my natural tendency is to try to remove myself from pain and suffering and struggle and hurt. Lord, thank you that, Jesus, you didn't just stay in the heavens. You didn't just stay where it was safe. You just didn't keep us at a distance. But you entered into our world, entered into our brokenness, entered into our pain, even took our sin on yourself so that by your wounds, we might be healed. And so I pray that we would, we would allow ourselves to be drawn close to you, that we would be honest about our hurt, that we would be honest about our pain, that we would be honest about our sin, that we would be honest about our brokenness, but that we would come to you boldly and honestly through Jesus Christ. And so help us, God. Help us to bring our whole selves 
the good, the bad, the ugly. Help us to approach you and to come and drink of the water that you give. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, as we, as we move into a time of worship, I want to encourage us to do two things. The, the first thing, besides the three points we talked about, the first thing is maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. And so I'm, I'm going to be up front here. I would love to pray with you. Maybe there's something really painful you're walking through and you're not sure how to, how to walk through it. So I would love to pray with you and, and us approach God together. Um, maybe just grab someone around you and pray with someone else here. You know, not just with me, but with whoever you might um, connect with and might want to pray with. Second thing is this. The scriptures tell us, right? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Be honest about that but also hope in God, for we will again praise him, our salvation and our God. So take this time to be honest about the hurt that you have. Maybe spend some time in prayer, gather with other people, gather with me, but also let's stand and let's sing and let's praise this God who is our hope and our salvation. Our key verse this week is that verse that kind of refrain from Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? So as you go through hard things this week, be honest about that. Be honest with your soul about that. But then also hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So let's take that with us this week as we go throughout the week. Let's stand and receive our benediction. Benediction is just a word of blessing for the road. And this comes from that passage we we talked about at the end, the end of the book of Revelation. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Peace be with you. Have a great week.